Tuesday morning. Gil Alexander, your betting dork, pregame.com was happening. Hope you're having a good Tuesday thus far. It is a beautiful day out of the San Francisco Bay where I am looking right now, and it is great Brazil World Cup watching weather for later on. I cannot wait for that. Girls should be out watching Brazil at the World Cup. I am pumped for that as Brazil should murder North Korea today. You know, figuratively speaking, of course. Can't wait for that. The beautiful game played at its most beautifulest, as I like to say. Actually, I just said that for the first time, but you know what I'm saying. Flying solo today. We're going to do baseball stats uh, roundup today for totals players and run line players. That's coming up in a bit, um, and we'll race through those today. We're not going to actually we're not going to linger on them quite as much as I have in the past, but we will definitely get the information out there. I uh, do want to mention a couple things first in terms of the schedule of the podcast tomorrow. Base winner with our Saber Metric show will be in the house. And then Thursday, I am really hoping, I am on the cusp here of securing a great guest. I really hope it works out. If it doesn't work out this Thursday, you know, it'll work out at some point. But hopefully it's on Thursday. John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News. He is a college football expert extraordinaire. And hopefully John will get on the show and uh, make some sense of all this conference movement. And after yesterday, non-movement happening in the world of college football, and I have a whole bunch of questions I want to throw at him about what this all means moving forward. So hopefully he will be on the show on Thursday. And then Friday, of course, VR, who always hangs out on Friday. So looking forward to all that. About the World Cup, since I mentioned that first, before we get into anything else today, World Cup has been spectacular thus far in terms of betting. I don't know if the American audience is warming, you know, any more than it has in the past to soccer thus far. I know a lot of excitement over the U.S.'s very fortunate draw with England the other day. But from a betting standpoint, boy, I really hope you're taking advantage of something that's taking place here in the first round and typically takes place during these kinds of soccer tournaments no matter what. And that is the subject of draws. And I've mentioned this on my thread before, but I realize that there's a lot of listeners who don't ever enter my pregame forum thread. But the draws are so spectacular, not only in terms of the return you get if you bet them straight up, you know, whether it's plus 200, plus 220, plus 230, whatever it might be. But if you attach those to a very finely calculated parlay, the return is obviously so jacked up and you're saying, well, Doug, Gil, obviously it's jacked up if you include a you know a plus 200 thing in there. That's the case for any parlay. But I guess what I'm saying is it is so much easier to hit a plus 200 or above soccer draw in the World Cup than it would be, say, to hit a plus 200, plus 220 baseball wager on a side. It's just the, the level of difficulty is reduced spectacularly. Books allow it. There's nothing different about it in their eyes. It's not as if you're cooking the book somehow. So, you know, take for instance, I'm just saying, let's say I hit a big parlay yesterday. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm very pumped. But, I mean, if you just threw a couple of those big baseball favorites in yesterday, whether it's the Giants, you know, whether it was the Giants or the Cardinals, maybe you hit one relatively difficult baseball game 
and then you hit you happen to hit the draw in the morning on the Italy Paraguay match, which I recommended in my thread yesterday. I mean, the return is just jacked up entirely. So again, this is not to say, oh, look at me, I hit a parlay. The point is, is that the level of difficulty of hitting a draw in soccer with that kind of return, I believe, is spectacularly easier than it would be to hit a baseball equivalent return. You know, geez, to get a plus 200, plus 220 return, you're on the Orioles usually, you know, let's say up against the Yankees, although that might be like plus 250, plus 260. But you get my point. You're going to be backing a much more difficult proposition than you are in getting a draw in these World Cup matches. Now, as of this moment, just to give you an idea, uh, and I don't know um, offhand how many have resulted in draws thus far, but I do know how many have been draws at the half, believe it or not, because I just heard Bob Lee from ESPN mention this. Of the 13 matches, and this includes the Portugal-Ivory Coast match that is taking place right now as I speak, of the 13 matches that have at least gone to halftime in the World Cup, seven have been scoreless ties at the half. So you're really setting yourself up to come through with these. So you got to take advantage. Even if you don't like soccer, do yourself a betting favor and take advantage of this. And uh, yes, I do have Ivory Coast and Portugal here uh, at a draw as well. So I'm obviously hoping uh, that that results in a draw as well. And did I tie it into a parlay? Why, yes, I did. But I'm just saying, it just, you know, it makes sense. So much easier to take advantage. That I hope you're doing that. And as far as today in the World Cup, I do, uh, that's my only pick for the day. The draw in the Portugal-Ivory Coast match uh, for a big plus 220 return. Yesterday, we did hit the Italy-Paraguay draw, and we did hit Netherlands uh, at minus 190, the big favorite. So, nice little World Cup run that we're on, and hopefully that continues here through the group round and beyond. Baseball. Um, was able to hit the Toronto play last night. I do not usually talk about packages at all. I don't like to use the show as a shill for selling picks. Um, I do feel, though, that on Tuesday, perhaps it's merited that I absolutely say something because it's a summer sizzler day for me. Dan had his yesterday. I have Tuesdays. Essentially, the standard $15 best bet, I slash it to $12. And then if you go to Marco's video on the pregame homepage, he gives a a, uh, coupon code or coupon code, whichever part of the country you come from and like to say, coupon or coupon. He has the coupon code. And you use that, it slashes it in half, so you get the best bet for 6 bucks. Can't beat that. And I have a two-star today, so that will be the way to cash in on the Summer Sizzler. A standard $15 pick for just $6, so check out Marco's video on the pregame homepage. Full slate of games in baseball today, and I'm going to give you all those stats momentarily to sort of inform your totals plays and also let you know which run-supported pitchers, which of the top run-supported pitchers in all of baseball happen to be on the hill today as well. And we definitely want to get into the best and worst run-line teams in baseball and also the biggest discrepancies between their actual record and how they perform on the run-line. So that is uh, definitely something of note that we want to check out. Basketball tonight, of course, Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Right now, uh, as of this moment, the Lakers favored by six and a half. couple points I want to make about basketball. 
both of which were made by Marco on the podcast yesterday, so I, I will not even claim these as original thoughts. I give all the credit to Marco on these. But a couple things that I wanted to reiterate that he said yesterday, because very, very sharp information from Marco. One, the Lakers still remain six-and-a-half-point favorites tonight in Game 6. By the way, can you tell when I turn with my microphone to take a peek at the television screen to see if the, uh, <laughs> to see if the Portugal Ivory Coast match is still in a draw? Still, still nil-nil in the 80th minute. Drogba, by the way, finally came into the game uh, for the Ivory Coast in about the 68th minute, something like that, somewhere in the 60s there. Uh, Drogba finally getting in the game. He was available from the start, but they elect- elected to put him in uh, at that point. So we'll see if that does anything for the Ivory Coast. But back to basketball. The Lakers are six-and-a-half-point favorites tonight. Uh, that has stayed steady since yesterday. Marco's point yesterday, I think, remains in full effect, though, as we still have a full day uh, before tip-off here tonight uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you are someone who wants to play the Lakers tonight, or excuse me, wants to play the Celtics tonight, chances are you ought to wait because the public is going to pound the Lakers the closer and closer we get to the ball game tonight. If you are someone who wants to play the Lakers at 6.5, probably should go ahead and play it as quickly as possible. But you know the public is going to pour money on the Lakers probably. At least that will be the initial move before tonight's game. So again, if you're a Celtics person, you might want to wait a bit before you play that. Bigger point made by Marco, though, had to do with the fact that if, if you're a Lakers person, if you're someone who thinks the Lakers will win the series, win games six and seven, but aren't really comfortable laying the six and a half points tonight, why not bet the series price? The Lakers are a very affordable, yet still slight favorite to win the series at minus 120. So if you're not comfortable laying the six and a half, and I can completely understand why you wouldn't be comfortable laying six and a half, that's a lot of points to lay. Why not play the Lakers for the series? That's very affordable because all of a sudden if they win tonight and all they have to do is win then, you got yourself positioned in the catbird seat, if you will. Just a smart, prudent wager. I wouldn't, I, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that people who back the Lakers wouldn't automatically do that. But Marco pointed that out on yesterday's show. Very good point and worth reiterating for sure. All right, baseball. Let's talk about our stats. We try to do this weekly. We don't always succeed in doing it weekly, but we certainly get to it every few weeks at a minimum, and that has to do with our roundup of sort of the stray baseball stats. I am not a totals better. I am not a run line better, but I know that a lot of folks are, and a lot of people love to pound that kind of stuff, and a lot of folks are hugely successful in doing so. So let's highlight stats that matter with regard to totals and favorites. First, with regard to totals, we always go to the umpires first. Which umpires in baseball show the biggest propensity when they're behind home plate to call over ball games? In other words, games that result in going over the total. And which umpires show the biggest propensity for calling games that end up going under when they're behind home plate? This stuff is as reliable a stat in handicapping as anything you'll find. Let's race through them. Top over umpires in baseball. Calling 9 out of 11 games behind home plate as overs. Angel Campos. 9 out of 11. 10 out of 13. Angel Hernandez and Tim Welke. Both 10 out of 13. I'm doing this in descending order 
of percentage. So 9 out of 11 for Angel Campos, 10 out of 13 for both Angel Hernandez and Tim Welke have gone over, 9 out of 13 for Mike Riley, and 8 out of 12 uh, for Larry Vanover and Mark Wagner. Also 6 out of 9 for Sam Holbrook and Jim Reynolds. So those are the umps in baseball that are uh, 67% or higher in terms of going over with Campos, Hernandez, and Welke being the top three. In terms of the who's the guy who has the most runs per game amongst that group, it is actually Welke, who has been behind home plate for games that have averaged 11.1 runs per game this season when Tim Welke is behind home plate. Again, these are guys whose strike zones are either so small or maybe so elusive, you know, if you want to take the negative side of things, that it's very difficult on pitchers. And their games tend to go over. There's a reason why they have their patterns. Believe you me. You know, it's not just coincidence. Let's look at the flip side. On the under, which are the umpires that have been behind home plate for the most under games? Jim Wolf and Bob Davidson, 9 out of 11, have gone under for Bob Davidson and Jim Wolf. Dan Ayasogna, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Bruce Dreckman, 9 out of 12, have gone under. Mike Esterbrook, familiar name from this show weekly, 9 out of 13 under. And for Jerry Meals, Greg Gibson, and Mike DeMuro, all 8 out of 12 have gone under. Those are the umpires, where 67% or more of the games have gone under, again with Jim Wolf and Bob Davidson being the biggest culprits of the under. Again, 11 out of 13 for those two guys, Davidson and Wolf, have gone under. I mean, that's almost 85% of the games they've been in have gone under. The lowest runs per game amongst them, Jim Wolf. He continues to hold that crown. 5.8 runs per game for Jim Wolf this season in Major League Baseball games that he has umped behind home plate. So those are names to, to really keep in mind, again, as you consider your totals wagers because Again, that's about the most reliable stat going in baseball. I can talk about all the sabermetrics and advanced statistics that I want to talk about, and Lord knows I do want to talk about them, but that's a pretty solid bit of data right there. Umpires and their penchant for calling overs and unders. Let's talk about pitchers then who have just been fortunate. One of the other things we like to look at is on top of how do umpires call games, we like to just talk about pure blind luck and how pitchers have just gotten real fortunate up to this point in the Major League Baseball season. Run support per nine innings pitched, largely a function of just pure, pure luck that a pitcher has no control over whatsoever. In the American League, the top run supported pitchers per nine innings, and I do want to throw in who amongst this top 20 list is pitching tonight, because that should be of interest if you're handicapping baseball tonight. Number one top run supported per nine innings pitched in the American League. It's Phil Hughes of the Yankees. He remains the most heavily supported pitcher in baseball. 9.2 runs a game for the Yankees when Hughes is on the hill. Second place isn't even close in the American League. It's Nick Blackburn of the Twins at 7.5 runs a game. 
followed closely by two other pitchers who both happen to be going tonight. David Price of the Rays, who's just a great pitcher on his own. He has the nerve to get seven and a quarter runs of support this year per nine innings pitched. He's third in the American League. And CeCe Sabathia pitching for the Yankees. He's fourth in the AL at 6.64 runs of support per nine innings pitched. Price and Sabathia are the only two pitchers in the American League amongst the top 20 who are going tonight. And I'm actually fading Sabathia with Roy Halladay, who is not on this top 20 list anymore. Used to be earlier in the season. So... Hughes is number one in the American League. So much of that has to do with the fact that, you know, he pitches for the Yankees. Three Yankees, along with Hughes and Sabathia, there's Pettit also in the top 20 list. And, or, excuse me, they're in the top 10 of the three of those guys. So much of the run support in the American League really comes down to that. You know, who are you pitching for? It's a little different in the National League, which we'll get to momentarily. But Price and Sabathia, the two big names going tonight. National League, um, and I've noticed this myself with the naked eye. Johnny Cueto of the Cincinnati Reds. I even noted this the last couple times he's on the mound. I was like, this guy gets like seven runs every time he's on the mound. Sure enough, he's the number one run-supported pitcher in the National League now. 8.08 runs per game for Johnny Cueto. Someone has finally unseated Kevin Correa of the Padres from the number one spot. Correa is just a tick behind him at 8.03 runs a game. And again, Correa's stat is jacked up because he was the pitcher on the round, uh, on the mound of record for the Padres this year, where the Padres have scored 18 runs, 17 runs, and 10 runs in three different games. So Correa is just blind, ridiculous lucky, and that average is jacked up as a result of those three ball games. But Johnny Cueto, really, if you watch this guy, he, they're always scoring huge amounts of runs when he's on the mound. 8.08 Cueto the number one pitcher in the National League in terms of run support. So keep that in mind when he's on the hill. In terms of who's on the mound tonight amongst the National League's top 20 run-supported pitchers, uh, Aaron Cook of the Rockies is in fourth place, 6.95 runs per game when Cook is on the mound. And he's closely followed by Josh Johnson of the Marlins. He's another hurler who's on the mound today. And Josh Johnson, it's almost ridiculous that Josh Johnson gets to have this kind of run support. 6.78 runs of support per nine innings pitch for Josh Johnson this year of the Marlins. And honestly, of late, he may be the single greatest pitcher in baseball going right now. So he's got a lot of damn nerve, Josh Johnson. But he's on that list. Also uh, pitching tonight, who's in the top 20 for the American League, actually two pitchers going up against each other in 15th place in the National League, Hiroki Kuroda of the Dodgers, 5.54 runs of run support per innings pitched, and in 20th place, Aaron Harang of the Reds, 5.28 runs of support. So just a few names to throw out there. It's, it's obviously, again, it's more interesting in the National League. In the American League, it really does come down to, are you pitching for the Yankees? You know, they're up there. Are you pitching for the Rays? They're up there. But the National League, it is really interesting. For some reason, when Johnny Cueto's on the mound, the Reds go nuts. For some reason, when Josh Johnson's on the mound, the Marlins go nuts. So, interesting to keep in mind. Again, you have to sort of, as a handicapper, make the assessment, well, that's great up until now. Do I have any reason to believe that that luck will continue? Or... Is that luck embedded in the line and not really considered as luck? Sort of it's gotten, you know, mixed in the wash and it's a great fade opportunity. 
some of these guys just get lucky for an entire baseball season. It's amazing. Baseball history is littered with guys like that. But then oftentimes, we can find value in the fade against. By the way, I'm anxiously looking at my World Cup match right now between the Ivory Coast and Portugal. They are in penalty time, and they are in the last minute of penalty time. But the Ivory Coast has a corner kick now. And so obviously the results of this corner kick are going to determine if I hit my wager or not. Rooting very heavily against the, uh, the uh, Ivory Coast getting in a goal here. There's an Ivory Coast player down, which reminds me, did anybody see Christian Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo, once again today, absolutely flopping on an advance down the field against the Ivory Coast. And that is why, again, the single biggest thing that Americans hate about soccer, and quite frankly, the single biggest reason why I cannot get with Cristiano Ronaldo. He does that every time. Does that every time. That dude is the biggest fake artist in all of soccer. And it's maddening. I think that's your soccer match. I think they just stopped it right there. I think we have ourselves a winning wager. Yes, Portugal. Ivory Coast, draw, pile on the units, baby. Love it. And again, it makes the rest of a parlay that I got going that much more exciting now. So that's your look at the overs in terms of over stats in baseball. You like that? How professional of me was that, that I'm actually watching a wager come in while doing a podcast? Boy, I've really slipped, haven't I? All right, let's talk about run lines in baseball because... This, to me, more than anything, is fascinating because it's a de facto power ranking, in other words. It really does show you when a team wins, who wins big, when they lose, who keeps games to a run. Run lines, a run and a half either way, which are the teams that perform well against that line, which are the teams that perform poorly against that line, and even more interesting... Which are the teams that have the biggest gap between their actual record and their run line record? That's a third totally different way of looking at it. That's another interesting angle on it. So let's talk about that, shall we? Again, this will be familiar in terms of, I think, the top and bottom this, this time. Because now we really have, now that we're in June, we're midway through June, the All-Star break is within sight, believe it or not. Which are the teams that have really separated themselves? And the answer at the top, the best run line teams in baseball is so defined right now, it's ridiculous. There are two teams that are at the top of the run line list in baseball. We're talking about blindly betting a unit or risking to win a unit on this team every single game of the season. Let's just say, hypothetically, you had done that. What would be your return on these teams? The Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Mets are far and away the best run-line teams in baseball. And for the last month, month and a half of the season, they have been atop that list. Now it's to a point where third place isn't even close. The Jays are 21 and a half units to the positive on the run-line. The Mets are 20.55 units to the positive on the run-line. The Jays and the Mets, when they win, they win big. When they lose, they get clipped, is basically what that's saying, by a run. 
The Jays in real life are 35 and 30. On the run line, they're 43 and 22, a full eight games better on the run line than they are on the money line. The Mets are 35 and 28 in real life. They're 41 and 22 on the run line. They're a full six games better on the run line. But again, far and away above the third place team, which would be the Yankees, by the way, who are actually worse on the run line than they are on the money line, but just from a units one perspective, they're in third place with about 9.6 units to the positive. But again, we're talking 21.5 and and 20.5 roughly for the Blue Jays and Mets respectively. Third place is the Yankees, less than 10. So the Jays and the Mets are by far the biggest run line winners in baseball thus far this season. And... Again, if you say to yourself, well, I mean, Gil, that's great. It's up until now. How do I know that's going to keep happening? They keep staying at the top of the list every time I do this show. And they're just separating themselves. So there's clearly something to that. There's some wisdom in that. Now, in terms of the worst run-line teams, it's not quite as informative. Because the worst run-line teams, unlike in the case of the Jays and Mets, where you're like, well, those aren't the best teams in baseball. They're good teams. But it's interesting to note that they rise to the top when it comes to the run line. The worst run line teams aren't going to really surprise you because you're going to be like, yeah, well, they just suck. And it's true. The Orioles are the worst run line team in baseball. They would have cost you 20 units on the run line. However, it's interesting to note that they're eight games better on the run line than they are on the money line. They're 17-47. and 47. They're the worst team in baseball this year as we all know. By the way, the Orioles now have the same record that they had after 64 ball games as they did the year they went 0-21 out of the shoots back in the late 80s. So the year that the Orioles went 0-21, the major league record for most losses consecutively from the beginning of a season, the year that they went 0-21, the Orioles after 64 games that year were 17-47. and their record today, 17-47. and 47. That is how epically bad the Baltimore Orioles have been this season. Yet on the run line, <laughs> they're 25-39. and 39. They're actually better on the run line, but they're still the worst run line team in baseball. They would have cost you 20 units had you blindly bet on the Orioles on the run line every game this season. And again, if you have bet, let's just say, in a bizarre world, that you actually are that person that has bet on the Orioles' run line every single game this season, I submit to you, perhaps you're doing something incorrectly here. Second place in terms of the worst run line teams in baseball is not even close to the Orioles, but it won't surprise you that it's still Houston, but they're distant second. They're 12.75 units in the red on the run line. Again, a better run line team than they are a money line team by about four games but they still would have cost you 12.75 units uh, to the negative. Third and fourth is pretty close between the uh, White Sox, who have always been on this list all season long, 11.9 units in the red, the White Sox in third place, the Brewers 11.25 units in the red uh, in fourth, in terms of the fourth worst team run line-wise in all of baseball. So those teams haven't really... Uh, changed much in terms of the Orioles, the Astros, the White Sox, and the Brewers. Which teams have the biggest discrepancies besides those that we've mentioned? Because the Orioles are interesting. You know, they are eight games better on the run line, but they still will just 
have you hemorrhaging money. Which are the teams that we haven't mentioned that show the biggest gaps? We did mention the Blue Jays are eight games better on the run line. Another team, believe it or not, that is really, really much better on the run line than they are on the money line is the Kansas City Royals. You'll find them like, you know, basically in the middle of this list somewhere, but the Royals are 27 and 37 in real life, money line. But reverse those numbers on the run line. They're a full 10 games better on the run line. They're 37 and 27 on the run line this year. So the Royals 27 and 37 in real life, 37 and 27 on the run line. That's roughly the difference of about, you know, let's see here, doing the math. Uh seven and a half, more than seven and a half units difference. Because if you had bet the Royals every game this year on the money line, you'd be down almost six units. But if you had bet them on the run line every game this year, you'd actually be up a unit and three quarters. So that's interesting. They're a much better run line team than they are a money line team or the Royals. What about the reverse of that? What team is way worse on the run line than they are on the money line? couple teams come to mind. The Rays are in terms of record. The Rays are 40 and 23. I mean, they're so good as a money line team that when you then look at their run line of 31 and 32, a full nine games worse, you're like, oh, wow, they're way, way worse on the run line. But actually, in terms of money, which is really all we care about in the end, it's really only the difference between you being five units up versus a unit Point three up. So it's not that big a difference in terms of the actual money. But the biggest difference in terms of actual money to the negative is far and away. You ready? You'll never guess it. Although I did hint at it last last week. The Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are 35 and 28 on the season. But on the run line, they're a full eight games worse at 27 and 36. Now keep in mind. The Rays were nine games worse on the run line. But it wasn't so bad with the Rays in terms of the money, how the lines are set. With the Rangers, it's a huge difference. It's actually the difference between having a really good year and a really bad year. If you had bet the Rangers every game this year on the money line, you'd be up 7.7 units on the season. Nothing wrong with that. Excuse me, you'd be up 4.1 units on the season. I was looking at the wrong stat there. 4.1 units. But it still applies here. If you had bet them on the run line, you'd be down 8.7 units. So that's a 13.1. Did I get that wrong? Yes, I did. That would be a 8.7, 4.1. That's a 12.8 unit difference to the negative. Money line versus run line with the Rangers. So again, as a de facto power ranking, what is that saying? That's saying that if you bet on the Rangers to win, just know that this is a team that they'll win a lot of close ball games. You know, they'll win close ball games. When they're a favorite, they won't always cover the run and a half. They're going to win a lot by just a run. And when they're underdogs, they're going to get beat pretty good a lot of times. So the Rangers... Definitely hold the throne for the biggest discrepancy, money line to run line, in terms of money. So that's sort of a look, once again, at some total stats, umps, top run-supported pitchers, and run line 
stats for teams of note in baseball. Again, with Toronto and the Mets, far and away the best run line teams in all of baseball. Toronto and the Mets. Now, if I had to put a gun to your head at the beginning of the season and said to you, all right, three weeks before the All-Star break, who are going to be the two best run line teams in all of baseball? You've got to come up with those two. What do you think the chances of you coming up with those two would be? I'm guessing not good. Toronto doing it with a great offense. And again, the bats came to life yesterday. We were fortunate enough to be backing them yesterday. But we predicted that would happen. But Toronto has done it this year with great bats and great starting pitching. We're not going to talk about their bullpen. And the Mets have done it with flat-out great starting pitching. I mean, their starting pitching has been gangbusters. So those are the teams that leap to the top of the heap. Base winner with the Sabermetrics Wednesday show tomorrow. Cannot wait for that. Looking forward to it. Hope you'll join us on the Betting Dork again for all Betting Dork-related stuff, whether it be free plays, whether it be packages, and soon to come, even uh, links to every podcast, bettingdork.com. Check it out. Gil Alexander, thanks so much for listening. Appreciate it. And again, hopefully on Thursday, great conversation with John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News. Crossing my fingers, hopefully we can get that done.